Watchcast where I talk about anything I watched this week. Uh, anime, TV, movies, hell, plays. Yeah, I can talk about play. Never know. There's not really a huge live theater scene around here, but I might, you know, you know, I might. I might fuck around, find out, and give you my critiques and all my thoughts on said plays and whatever I watched. Uh, yeah, we'll just get right into it because there's nothing else to get into. I I want to do a retrospective uh, after, you know, thinking about Lord of the Rings Extended Edition. I talked about it last week, and I don't want to talk about the nitty-gritty, you know, get into it, every single detail and minutia. It's not, I'm not one to do that, especially with Lord of the Rings. I, <laughs> especially not with Lord of the Rings. There are a million people who have said a million things, probably better than I have. So I think I changed my mind. Maybe Sam sucks. You know, I, I I talked him up last week. I said he was the baller and Frodo sucked, but I think Sam sucks too. He should have just pushed Frodo in. What's that about? Just come on. I, listen, I know he's your best buddy. I know, I know, I know. But he had the ring, you know. That wasn't your best buddy anymore. Just kind of light shove, you know. If Smeagol wasn't there, Sam, you would have just condemned the entire Middle Earth continent or planet, whatever they're on. Uh, plane, you would have you would have just killed it right there. Like Sam, what what's up? You should have been ready for that situation. Elrond and Gandalf should have been like, "Yo, Sam, if if he kind of gives you a look when he's holding the ring, you might need a when when push comes to shove, if you will, you know." Uh, yeah, so maybe Sam sucks. I don't know. I I'll, I'll let it gestate a little bit. What you guys think about it? Then I wanted to preface with yet another thing. Uh, I actually have another little preface, too. So three prefaces before I even talk about anything I watched this week. When I hate and critique, that is not hating the person. That is not hating the work they are doing. That is not hating the group effort that helped that person's work be put on display. I am just merely critiquing on the art. I hate that it has to be said, but, you know, it does have to be said. Uh, take take Robert Rodriguez, for example. I respect the hell out of that man. He has a passion. He has a drive. He can convince studios to fund him. He can make money. You know, well, yeah, he can make money uh, relatively consistently. And yet, I absolutely abhor most of the things and projects he's done past the year 2000. Uh, whether it be the man or the Mando episode, sorry, not the Mando episode. That actually was pretty sweet. Whether it be the Book of Boba Fett, uh, whether it be Spy Kids, whether it be the Spy Kids reboot. I think wasn't he Shark Boy and Lava Girl? Uh, he 
helped them. I mean, wasn't he Machete? Wasn't he part of Machete? Uh, that, you know, those were good memes, but those were bad movies. He, uh, he co-directed Sin City 2 with uh, Frank Miller. And Jesus Christ, watch Sin City 2 for me, will you? Will you please try and sit down and watch that? Because good luck. Uh, he had that uh, We Can Be Heroes thing from Netflix that I didn't even bother with because of the aforementioned movies. Uh, you know, it's... <laughs> his style just doesn't jive with me, you know? It's kind of hokey. I don't know another word to describe it. Campy. Uh, even Alita Battle Angel, I heard nothing but positive things, but I just quickly kind of turned it off. I think it was on HBO Max a few years ago or HBO Go, whatever it was. Uh yeah, and I kind of turned it off just because I it, I could see the writing on the wall, you know? Even if it's an amazing movie, it's still going to be held back by, sorry, in my opinion, going to be held back by his direction and whatnot. So yeah, I just, I just want to get that out of the way before people take my hate and critique as actual insults of the artist. Um, love the artist, hate the art, as I would say, because... There's a lot of, I think there are a lot of bad, I think the majority of movies and TV are bad, honestly. You know, you can, there's a billion people who scribble, so the majority of art's probably bad. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, kind of, it's an easy math problem, really. Uh, there are 20 DVD-only movies for every theatrical release. There are 30 streaming movies for every DVD-only release, you know what I'm saying? Uh so when I happen to maybe strongly dislike someone's work, I am not trying to dissuade you of watching them. Well, you know what? Maybe I am, but I'm not trying to hurt that person's career in a real sense. Uh, I am just expressing my beliefs, and that's you know that's how it's worked since movie critics and TV critics have existed. So I shouldn't have to say it. Here we are, moving on. I'm going to talk about Max because this is the third preface. HBO Max is now Max, and it took away half my watch list, and now it has HGTV and Magnolia Network and other just reality, I think, Discovery shows now, and Jesus Christ, it's... Give me HBO Max back. I, you know, I like the blue. I like the blue of Max, but it's, you know, it's preferable over the purple, but it's not worth it. If I can go back to purple, give me... Go back, you know, give me the purple. I don't, I don't care for this. Max, it just, it feels like watered down HBO Max, and I'm sure that's probably going to enhance their subscriber rate, but I, I, I don't know. I don't really get it. Uh, now there's a paid advertisement or, you know, commercial cheapest tier, and just too much, just too much. I, you know, it's a personal thing. Uh, if you've used the app a lot and you've used other apps like, Discovery Plus, because that's what it's fused with, or that's what it's been cobbled together with, because it's not a real fusion when you don't take all the parts, is it? Uh, so, you know, it. I don't even know what else to say. It's just you can clearly see the content is different and not as readily available as it once was, so that sucks. Uh, a lot of animation's been taken off. A lot of HBO Max originals have been taken off. Uh, whatever. 
whatever, you know, moving on, whatever. I'll get to the actual watch cast finally. I watched the first two Hobbit movies. I'm still holding off on the third one because I already know how the third one goes. I, I know it. It's been almost 10 years since I've watched it. Uh, and I still know exactly how I felt, where I felt it, and how it affected my viewing of, you know, just the first two movies or just Peter Jackson's ambition or maybe over ambition. You know, I don't want to say that to the man, but ugh. okay. So let me get to the hobbits. The first movie is okay. A little disjointed, kind of my same problems with the fellowship of the ring, but the fellowship of the ring builds to something greater and builds to something amazing and fantastic. Whereas Hobbit one builds to Hobbit three. So yeah, Hobbit 1, uh, the whole Azok, the Defiler, the White Orc thing, I still don't really understand to this day. I think it's not really a part of the book, but that's not really my critique. My critique is with making a big bad who's the big bad of your first film, but he's not the big bad of your first film. I know that might not make sense, but if you watch the movie, you'll understand exactly what I'm saying. He's in villainous presence, yet he doesn't do anything. And it takes away from adding this, you know, the white orc character, his, his, um, his counter to Thorin. I, I do want to say all the actors do a fantastic job. Absolutely fantastic. Martin Freeman, Ian McKellen, Richard Armitage, uh, Stephen Fry, even then you had, uh, shit. What's his name? Oh, God, I can't think of his name. It's going to kill me. I mean, of course, you had Andy Serkis, and you had Christopher Lee back, which is crazy. Christopher Lee, you know, he was, what, 90 years old when that movie came out? Uh, you had all the comebacks. And then you had Lee Pace, who was an elf king, Thrandul, Thrand, yeah, Thrandul, who Lee Pace can do anything, man. I could watch that actor in any sort of role he wanted to do and I would still be enthused about it uh, whether or not the movie is one to watch or care about is a whole other point because I, could, I literally could watch that man in anything and there's, there is a personal bias there I'll, I'll admit there uh, but yeah like his character I don't even really care about uh, there's, there's nothing the elf kingdom seems to pop up all the time in these movies yet their point seems kind of muddled, you know, uh, it's, yeah, the one, the Mirkwood or the Woodland Elves, those are the bad ones who want to kill you, except there's this love interest on it who kind of undermines it, and then Legolas kind of fights with the hobbits, but he's kind of on their side, so that kind of undermines the threat of any sort of elf retaliation to these dwarves, and it just makes all the, the, um, the possible dangers feel just a little hollow and there's a lot going on in terms of dangers, whether it be the white orc, the goblin king, the dragon, the trolls, the dragon, Smeagol, the spiders, the elves of Mirkwood or whatever, the woodland elves. Uh, you know, there's, there's just so much going on that it's hard to grab. Oh, the necromancer. Uh, it's just hard to actually care about and, root yourselves in their problems because it all just seems superfluous and just, who cares? They're moving on. It's just a, 
it's a bump in a road, you know, it's still just the same road, right? And all the actors uh, who play the dwarves, they do fantastic jobs, but it doesn't really do anything. You know, I don't, these aren't memorable characters in the least. The only memorable character is the dumb one and the one who doesn't have a dwarf beard because he's only memorable because he doesn't look like a dwarf. And maybe that's in the book or something, or maybe that was a PJ decision. I don't get it because it just leads to that love story, love triangle between him, the elf lady, and Legolas. And in my opinion, just is not needed. Very unnecessary. Feels a little, you know, just out of nowhere. Kind of just in the wrong place, it seems. It, it feels as though it's being forced upon the movie rather than the movie growing with the story or the love story itself. And then you have the second movie, which has all the stuff with Luke Evans and the, the town, the Lake town or the Dale or God, the terms, so many Lord of the Rings terms in the last two weeks, the uh, Lake town and Luke Evans is an amazing actor and I love him. I just couldn't care less about his journey in this. Uh, he, he's basically a foil to the dwarves, except his story is exactly the same as the dwarves. And while I can see that working in, in the book, uh, when you base half a second or half a sequel movie about it, 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 it's weird. It feels like you're just showing the audience more of what they already know instead of a counter, an actual counter character. There isn't, there aren't any debates or anything they just get a little mad at each other and side with one or the other and then move on because i think this trilogy suffers the most from that they just they move on you know if something happens and they just move on there's no there's no lasting power of any of the scenes or any of the actions it just happens and you keep going and it seems as though nothing really matters uh yeah, I don't know what else to say, Hobbit. And then, you know, I I actually will come back with Hobbit 2 is a fine movie, honestly. You know, in, in a vacuum, it it's a good movie. But because of the movie it leads to, it detracts from the quality of said movie. That's It's weird because, you know, you, your review scores, I think, should be for the end with individual movies. But I also think retrospection should play a part in reviews and reviews shouldn't be this concrete score that lasts forever. You know, uh, when I was 13, I thought the last samurai was the greatest movie ever. I thought the dark Knight was the greatest movie ever. Do I still enjoy those movies? Yeah, sure. But 10 out of 10s. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of nostalgia going on there. Uh, but you know, 10 out of 10s, that's, that's kind of hard to hard for me to argue or, Hard for me to get behind. Yes, Dark Knight might be the greatest superhero movie ever, or whatever I wanna you wanna argue. Doesn't matter. I just think review scores and opinions do change. It's not that I think they should change. They just do. It's not anyone's fault. But you know, just it's how time and things work. It's why, it's why I think really Scott movies look so dated because of his combat direction. Yada yada, you know. When it first came out, I'm sure it was fine, but now, oof, I hate watching his his older movies, you know, '90s, 2000s movies. Ugh, 
His early stuff is great, but you get past the you get past the point. <laughs> it starts being hard to watch. Uh, yeah, and then the last thing I watched, which was season nine of Alone. I usually don't watch trash TV or reality TV, whatever you want to call it, but Alone's one of those I can't help myself. It's one person in the wilderness, and they are filming everything, recording everything, setting up the hand cameras and all that, the stands, tripods, and the like. They get like basic training, and they just see how long they can survive in the wilderness. It is great TV. Uh, it, it just is. It's simply great TV. There's not a lot to it, and I think that works in its favor. There's very little fanfare. There aren't crazy transitions. There isn't a crazy theme song. There aren't plot lines you have to tie up. There, There isn't anything you can do to really spruce it up other than through careful editing and, well, no, just that's it, other than careful editing. And my point of this show to talk about this show isn't really to talk about the contents. I don't really care to spoil alone because it's such a good binge that you know, uh, uh, to get that spoiled would, would just kind of suck. I will say my bet didn't work, and the person I bet on only made it to third place and, you know, kind of annoyed. And could they could have set a record, but they didn't. Uh, they did not. Did not have the willpower, which is cool. It's cool. It doesn't affect me, but <laughs> but uh, my horse did not, did not uh, cross the finish line first, so to speak. So... Whatever, not a big deal. Uh, it's still fun to watch, even till the end. The last episode's probably the worst one, because you know it's basically all filler to get you guessing which one, you know, the, the last two or three people is going to be the final survivalist out there. And, you know, that's probably my only complaint with the show is the last episode. But what I really, really want to talk about is, are the editors... I can't imagine the workload they have. I assume it's a team of editors, maybe five to six. If it's more, that's a bigger budget than I assumed. But five to six editors and what their full-time job is to just watch the survival videos. And I'd say that's probably only, what, a quarter of the year or half of their year. I'm not sure what they do on the off-seasons. Who knows? But it's fun for me to imagine that these editors are, you know, tasked with watching 2000 hours of recordings and you know they're probably watching it on two times speed or whatnot but then they have to go through the audio of it you know you can't just two times speed audio because someone might say something funny or say something quippy or you know and they would have to save that check mark or uh, put a tab where that is in the 2000 hours of footage they have oh you know not 2000 whatever hours of footage they have and then they'd have to go through it and cut this cut that who needs to see a scratch who needs to see a cut, you know, who needs to see a, a broken finger, who needs to see an elimination. You know what I'm saying? It's, I really would absolutely love to see how mundane their work life is when they are, you know, full in the season producing that show. Uh, I would, I would just absolutely cherish seeing that because it they put in all the work and they are kind of unsung heroes i mean editors always are kind of unsung heroes hell everybody who's not a producer a director a writer or an actor is an unsung hero let's just get that straight so they are just on the list of many unsung heroes and i 
think that's going to be it for the watchcast this week. That has been the second ever Noah Davis watchcast. We're almost at 20 minutes, but if I didn't have those little beginning talk things, I bet I could have cut it down to 10, you know, uh, with the power of editing, I could cut it down to 10. I don't want to edit though. So you're going to get the 20 minute cast, the raw 20 minute, unedited, unfiltered, uncensored cast. And Oh, holy shit. I was about to get out of here without talking about the TV. I watched yesterday. Uh, I watched the series finales of Barry and succession. Let me just say both of those shows are top tier television and will be talked about for the next five to 10 years in that, well, one Barry will be talked about in its uniqueness and there is nothing quite like it that I've ever watched, whether it be that production value, the writing, the unpredictability, which I think might be the best aspect of it because you literally cannot predict what's going to happen on that show. I don't care how smart you are or how smart you think you are. You're not going to predict it. I would, I will need a, a proof or some sort of record of you typing out and saving a prediction and then you watching the show and telling me what happens. I, I would absolutely need that because it is a fantastic ride that goes up and down and left and right and you know on a different plane a little bit every now and then where you're just kind of confused as to are you in the real world are you watching this like is this a real show you know is this not a fake show uh and it's it's fantastic i'll give it a 10 out of 10 i don't care i'll say it right now 10 out of 10 that ending might not be what i expected or what i wanted but that is not going to stop me from loving that show and, uh, yeah, then the succession finale, wow, uh, they, they did it. They, they did it. The kind of the meme, not really the meme, uh, the joking successor, you know, uh, the one who people are like, oh man, if that's the successor, that'd be awesome. You know, in a kind of ironic sense, uh, is actually the su successor. I, <laughs> I'll spoil it next week just in case someone's watching this and might want to catch up on it. But I will say a uh, fantastic, very solid ending, wrapped it all up in a nice bow there. Um, the quote unquote plot lines that aren't really tied up, you know, that shows plot lines aren't exactly concrete, you know, <laughs> they're a little, little, little timey whiny, you know, they bend here, they bend there. And I think that only works well, or, you know, that, that works better because they don't have to exactly worry about every single scene. Like, uh, like Jerry's story. They didn't, they don't really cap off Jerry's story, but they did. It's, it's more of implied and, uh, it, it works well there. I do think there are some missing, some things, some aspects missing from that finale, but a solid finale. Nonetheless, uh, it did not crash and burn, you know, Game of Thrones style, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It did not crash and burn like that. Uh, it's a totally fine ending. I will not say Succession's a 10 out of 10 show. I would call it the Mad Men of the 2020s or whatever you want to call it. The 20 generation, whatever era this is. The Mad Men of this era. And it's not a 10 out of 10. I mean, Mad Men wasn't a 10 out of 10. It was a great show, but not 10. I would give Succession a 9, maybe, you know, 9.5, honestly. I'll say a 9.5 because it is a very strong show. I just believe there was something about it that kept it away from that perfect 
score and the, the, the perfect vision and the perfect, just, you know, just the 10 out of 10. It's, it's very close. I could probably go into it a little more if I went back and watched it all, but nine, five, you know, definite nine, five. I honestly, if I were to summarize why it's not 10 out of 10, I'd say it's the last season because the quote unquote succession kind of just happened and there was no, I'm not expecting a huge traditional buildup, but there was, there were, there was no buildup, you know, <laughs> it just, it just happened. And in that sense, that kind of hampered it a bit, kind of hampered the, the lasting appeal of the finale and the ending. So yeah, that was Succession and Barry. And then now that's all I've watched. Now we're almost at the 24 minute, getting the 24 minute version of the raw, unfiltered, unedited podcasts only on the Noah Davis show. And you know, there you have it. That's, that's finally, that is finally episode two. I can tie it in a bow, ship you off. I'll see you next week on episode three. That's the Noah Davis Watchcast, and I'm out of here.